But welcome once again, beloved. You may have a seat. Welcome to worship at Morning Star Church. I am Amy Wilson Felt. I am the pastor here at Morning Star. If you haven't had a chance to meet me just yet, as Stuart said earlier, our mission is to point people to the grace of God that we find in Jesus. And we go about that mission in many ways, and having fun can be one of those, right? So thank you so much for being here as we worship today, and then we move into our other Halloween festivities, and we'll have more about that later. Now we come to the time in our service where we will share in a reading of scripture. So I'm going to invite my friends up with me. Stuart and Kathy are going to share with all of us today. We're going to offer you three for one this morning. So if you're following along on your app, on your mobile app, or in your Bible, we are turning to Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17, and we're going to each read a portion of the scripture this morning. Chapter 3, verses 12 through 17 from Colossians. Chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness, humility and gentleness and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious. And loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight this morning, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Happy Halloween, everyone. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, all of you who are worshiping from afar. Isn't it fun to see our children and so many youth and adults dressed up today? Dressing up is a favorite activity in our home. We have three kids, of course, who are almost seven, almost six, and almost two. And so on any given day, you could find a princess holding court in our dining room, or a dinosaur bounding through our living room, or the cutest little puppy dog you ever saw crawling through the hallway. But sometimes in life, we dress up to hide who we are or to escape from an unpleasant reality. In the best of ways, dressing up can help us play a part that we want to play in life. Dressing up helps us play a part that we want to play 
in life. And that is true no matter what our age. It's one of the reasons that I wear a stole like this in parts of our worship service that are set apart like Holy Communion. It's one of the reasons that you wear suits to the office or that athletes wear certain uh, uniforms when they are playing their sports. Now our passage today comes from the letter to the people in Colossae and it speaks of the importance of playing a certain role in our community, a role as the children of God. And our identity and our calling as the beloved of Christ gives us a wardrobe. It gives us an outfit for every day of the school week or the work week and also a bonus outfit for the weekend or any day of the week. Any day of the week, we can clothe ourselves in compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and of course, love. On this Halloween day, our children already have demonstrated the power of clothing ourselves in a particular way. We see in their costumes displays of strength and curiosity, of bravery and whimsy, of determination and beauty. And what the three of us would like to do together this morning is tell stories about people in our lives who have clothed themselves in the attributes that we find in the third chapter of Colossians. Stuart's up first. As is the way sometimes when you're doing final preparations, the Holy Spirit comes to you and changes everything that you plan to say or do. I had a different story. It was of, of, of me reading a story to you, not about myself, but of something else. And then I remembered this thing that happened and uh, I felt compelled to share it with you. About 14 years ago, I can't believe I can say that, 14 years ago, I was working for Starbucks in San Francisco, downtown San Francisco. I had a store on the corner of Third and Market. Market Street is one of the few streets that goes from one end of San Francisco to the other, uh, from the bay to uh, the ocean. And uh, so it's a very busy street, lots going on. Just to share with you quickly how busy my store was, we did, uh, we had two registers, and each register did 150 customers in 30 minutes. My number one drink was tall coffee. We opened at four o'clock in the morning. We stayed open until about eight o'clock at night, and we were busy through waves of the day. So from like four o'clock until about 8.30, nine in the morning, and then lunchtime from about 11.30 till about one o'clock, and then in the afternoon, uh, maybe about three o'clock to about 4.30, and then just a small little smidgen as people made their way home. They didn't feel like they needed coffee on the way home as they caught the BART to go across to the Bay, uh, to Oakland or whatever. I think that they wanted that time to sleep or rest uh, the day away. But on one day, it was in that morning lull after the morning rush, right before the lunch rush, this lady appeared, a young woman appeared at my register, and I was like, can I help you? And she was like, you know, I don't know. I've never been to Starbucks before. I don't believe in what Starbucks, you know, I just don't like it. You guys are everywhere. It was a store across the street. 
there was two stores down the block, just one block away. So there was four of us right there. We were ubiquitous in uh, in in San Francisco, and uh, so I was like, "Well, well, how's your day going?" And she was like, "Awful." I just got a phone call that my grandfather, my paternal grandfather, who meant so much to me, just passed away. And this is the first big death in my family, and I have no idea what to do. And so uh, I, I, I didn't know what to make of it, I didn't know what to do, but I knew what I would need in that moment, and I acted from that. And that moment was, is that she's gonna go throughout her day, and she's gonna need something to drink. And so I asked her what she wanted to drink, and we made that. And then I knew that she was going to need lunch or some kind of snack, some kind of sustenance throughout the day. So I grabbed a bag, threw a sandwich in there, threw some other sweets and whatnot, little snacky kind of type stuff, filled the bag full. As I'm doing this, there's a crowd of people, of regular people watching. They know that this is not a regular Starbucks customer service event that is taking place in front of them. They know that this is not really a regular San Francisco moment, a city moment. And so I keep doing all this and talking to her and asking about her and asking about her grandfather and, and give her all this stuff and wished her well and told her that if she needed to talk to anybody, a stranger perhaps who might just be able to listen from a place of, I don't know, that she could come down and get me anytime that she wanted and we could go sit, sit out in the plaza there in front of our store and, uh, and I could just talk and listen to her. More than anything, just listen. She left. I was only in that store for about seven, eight months. I never saw her again. And you would think that somebody who manages a store that sees 300 customers every 30 minutes, that I would recognize people, but at that point in time, Amy, my, my mind was a little sharper. I could remember people's names, like thousands of names. Now I'll give you this much. I could only remember you in the context of Starbucks. So if I ever saw you on the street, which I did see people on the street, they were a little miffed that I didn't recognize them and don't remember who they were because they weren't in Starbucks. Never saw her again. Immediately after, after she left, those people who had kind of gathered around to watch the moment were just like, that is the coolest, most compassionate thing I've ever seen happen in San Francisco. Sometimes you don't know what you're doing, but you just do it because you just do it. characteristic that I'm talking about this morning is kindness. Amy gave us the option of choosing which of these traits we would each speak about. And I picked this one because I like it. When I was a kindergarten teacher, I used to say, kindergarten starts with kind. See what I did there? Okay. Well, when I moved to Las Cruces, New Mexico from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, I experienced a bit of culture shock. 
And one of the first examples of that culture shock was from my new neighbor, Linda. Linda is a Texan. <laughs> a real deep in the heart, southern Texas twang kind of Texan. I, a cynical and suspicious Northeasterner, am extremely wary of strangers with southern accents. Linda, on the other hand, has never known a stranger. And she remained a stranger to me for about 30 seconds. She is warm and outgoing and hard to dislike. Naturally, I did not trust her. She wants something, I thought. She's probably needy. She's going to try and smother me. I just knew it. I was wrong. She is quite simply kind. Linda's kindness is without strings. She will be kind and that is all there is to it. She is not overbearing and she is not smothering. She is kind whether or not I spend time with her. I can go weeks without seeing her even though she lives right next door to me. She is still kind, sending me a sweet text message with a funny smile, calling me if my car window is down and it's starting to rain, and every now and then leaving a treat from a baking spree at my front door. And she is kind to everyone. I have never gotten over this oddity. I see her with literally all kinds of people, just being nice to them. For no reason, with nothing to gain from it, without a care in the world about who's watching or who's waiting. Sometimes I feel like the Grinch looking down at the Who's in Whoville, mystified by their selfless joy. I have known Linda. We have been neighbors for more than 10 years now. So I know her pretty well. And I know now that her kindness truly comes from how much she feels God's love in her life. She wants to put that back out in the world. Her kindness does not discriminate. It doesn't look for excuses. Linda is not a Pollyanna. She is not a goody two-shoes. She has experienced great loss. And she lives with great pain. But her love for God and her deep belief in God's love for her inspires her to share that love through kindness. My second characteristic 
is not quite so straightforward. Humility. In Philippians 2, Paul writes, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. He goes on to say that in our relationships with one another, we should have the same mindset as Jesus, who took the nature of a servant and humbled himself. In our world today, humility can seem hopelessly naive and unappealing. After all, the prize goes to those who look out for number one pursue their own best interests. <laughs> Humility is beneath me, the saying goes. But my former mentor, Carol, would probably disagree, even though she wouldn't brag about it. <laughs> it was subtle. That's all right. Dr. Carol Phillips, now retired, was a nurse. Nurses are kind of my superhero. And I think much about what they do is an example of humility. Now, Carol, her doctor title is from her PhD in nursing. And when I met her, she was the associate provost for Millersville University. She is a strong woman. She is a force to be reckoned with. She takes pride in her work. She is a leader. And she is also one of the most humble people I've ever known. You wouldn't say that if you met her. It's not a word that would come to mind. But if you knew her and worked with her and saw the results of her work, you'd see it. Carol was never in it to win it. She had what anyone would define as a successful career and a wonderful life. But she spent her life putting other people first in a very specific way. No matter her job, no matter her responsibilities, she asked the same question. How can I serve here. When she was a nurse in the hospital, she asked, how can I serve my patients? When she was the director of nursing, she asked, how can I serve my nurses? When she became a nursing teacher, she asked, how can I serve my students? And when she moved into administration, she asked, how can I serve this community of educators? And then she used her considerable talent to work for their good. It was servant leadership at its best. She experienced great success, obviously, but for her, it was never about her. 
It was about lifting up the people around her. When she retired, hundreds of people reached out to say, she inspired me. She believed in me. She made it possible for me. Carol placed others first, not by denying her own gifts and talents, but by using them in service to others. In The Purpose Driven Life, Rick Warren says, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. In doing that, Carol taught me that humility makes the best leaders. So you've heard some stories of compassion, some stories of kindness, some stories of humility, and that brings us this morning to gentleness. As I mentioned earlier, my husband Jason and I live with three children under the age of seven. So let's just say that gentleness is a growing edge in our household. Living gently takes practice. And I hear myself over and over again on any given day saying, take it easy, be gentle, use soft hands. I remember one very vivid exception to this experience, and that was the day that the older kids, Natalie and Augie, met their little sister, Olivia. She was just a day old at that time. This was about four months before COVID swept our nation. So at that time, the older kids were able to come to the hospital to meet their sister and to see me and their dad. They walked right into the hospital room. They sat on the bed. They were ready to meet Olivia. And I noticed right away, as soon as they came into the room, they slowed down. They lowered their voices. They seemed to know that gentleness would be required. They sat on the bed and Jason put a pillow on their laps and then we placed the baby gently into their arms. And I wish you could have seen the look of awe on their faces. My sweet and funny and rambunctious children who were only four and five years old at the time, they clothed themselves with gentleness because they knew that gentleness was what their sister needed as she became acclimated to the world. The next virtue that I share with you all is patience. I have no personal stories of patience. <laughs> but as a lover of quotes, let me share some with you. Patience is not simply the ability to wait, it's how we behave while we're waiting. Two powerful warriors are patience and time. Adopt the pace of nature, her secret is patience. We could never learn to be brave and patient if there were only joy in the world. Be patient and understanding. Life is too short to be vengeful and malicious. Alcohol gives you infinite patience for stupidity. 
patience is bitter, but its fruit is sweet. The taste of good manners is to be patient with bad ones. If you would know strength and patience, welcome the company of trees. Patience is not the ability to wait, but the ability to keep a good attitude while waiting. God has perfect timing, never early, never late. It takes a little patience and it takes a lot of faith, but it's worth the wait. Have patience with all things, but first of all, with yourselves. As God's chosen people, holy and beloved, the writer of Colossians tells us, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, and above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. These words were read at my wedding. These words have been read in many weddings and will be read in weddings to come because they paint a picture of a healthy life, a healthy family, a healthy home, a place where forgiveness is granted and peace reigns and gratitude is expressed freely and none of that can happen without great love. This is not a sentimental love of which I speak. This is not a sentimental love. It's a love that I feel when my husband says to me, Amy, you are too hard on yourself when I'm crying because I've been less than patient with the kids. It's a love that's expressed when Jason hands me the next novel in the series that I'm reading and he says, I notice you only have a few pages left and you want to finish the rest of the story, so here's the next book. It's the love that says we're going to be okay when one of us has lost a job or a parent or our health for a time. It's a love that binds all things together in harmony when the notes of the songs of our lives don't seem to match anymore. It's a love that reminds us of who we are. So as the stories that we have shared today tell us, these attributes of compassion and kindness humility and gentleness and love, they not only help us play our roles as the children of God, they influence the lives of other people. They shape our communities. They have the capacity and the strength and the power to change the world. So beloved, on any given day, when you don't know what to wear, remember, we always have the option to put on love. Always have the option to clothe ourselves with love. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening to the Morningstar Las Cruces Sermon Podcast. This recording is made available because of the uncommon generosity of our listeners. If you find these sermons to be helpful for you and your faith journey, please consider making a donation online at www.mstarlc.church. That's M-S-T-A-R-L-C dot church. Or you can give through your phone by texting 
MSTAR LC to 77977. You'll receive a text back with instructions. Follow the link and your gift is made safe and easy through your phone. Or you can download the Morningstar Las Cruces mobile app available through Apple and the Google Play Store. Grace and peace to you and yours, and thank you for all it is that you do.